This podcast is part of the How We Are Network. For information on this episode and many other like-minded shows, visit howweare.org. That's H-O-W-W-E-A-R-E dot O-R-G. to another episode of 100 Words or Less, the podcast. I'm your host, Ray Harkins. First and foremost, this episode is brought to you by 6131 Records. Previous guest of the show, Joey Cahill. I don't know. It's like episode 30-ish or something. can't remember. But 6131's newest release from an amazing band from New Jersey called Dads. Their EP is called Pretty Good. And let's listen to a song. And then I'll tell you why you should buy this EP. So check it out. Here's a bit of the song called Boat Rich. Jersey. They've been on the scene for a little bit. 6131 Records was lucky enough to pick those dudes up and uh, just an amazing band. Like They obviously have a lot of elements of the mid-90s emo stuff going on from like Captain Jazz and that sort of Chicago scene. But the way that they do it now, it makes it so fresh and so awesome. And yes, they're just, they're a really exciting band. And uh, yeah, I couldn't be more happy that 6130 Records decided to sponsor the episode and bring this awesome music to all of you. So for more information on this release and everything that 6130 Records does, go to 6131records.com. And you can buy this EP. You can buy so much other awesome stuff from the label. Uh, Not only is Joey one of my best friends, but I really do believe in what he does with the label. And you should check it out, too, because I can guarantee no matter what sort of music you listen to, you will probably find something of interest. But check out Dad's because that is awesome. We've had some pretty high-profile slash awesome guests on recently, and I've been noticing a lot of new listeners. So if you've jumped on, thank you. It's awesome. I love seeing the people that communicate to me via social networks are like, dude, I just found out about your show. This is incredible. I never knew this existed. It's just so nice to hear that feedback because, uh, you know, sometimes I feel like, uh, you know, I'm just kind of putting it out in the ether. Don't get anything really back. You know, I know people are listening. I see the numbers as far as the downloads are concerned. But, uh, you know, if I don't hear directly from somebody, I don't know. So needless to say, it's a simple thank you. That's all I'm trying to get at. The guest this week is none other than Mr. Davey Havoc from the band AFI. He is the lead vocalist. I mean, I'll, I'll, I will go 
way in depth to Davey. That sounds a little pornographic. I apologize. More on him in a minute. Let's get some business stuff out of the way. Propertyofzack.com. Great website. Stay on top of that site in order to be in the know with what's happening on your favorite band, what new releases are being put out, what tours are happening, what special events are happening. Just just stay on top of independent music and visit propertyofzack.com. There are media partners and we love them. So in turn, you should visit the site and become educated. And uh, if you're feeling generous about this show and you enjoy the output that this thing is, go to the iTunes store, review it, talk about it, drop some stars, write some sentences. I've noticed that there's been getting a little more feedback recently. I got a review from Australia. Thank you for that. And uh, people are just very nice. They're like short to the point. Be like, hey, this is an essential listen. You must check it out. And that's the type of stuff that if I trip onto a show or a podcast or whatever, and I see reviews that are saying it's essential, it's like, well, okay, I better not miss out. So thank you for doing that. Uh, we are also part of the How We Are podcast network. For more info on this show and others, such as Stuff You Will Hate with previous guest, Sergeant D. And uh, there's also two other shows. Let's Talk About Feelings with Matt and Christina. They work at Side One Dummy Records, and they have a lot of fun and interesting chats with people all across the board, some attached to music, some stand-up comedians. There's just a lot of variety there, so check it out. And then Matt Pryor from The Get Up Kids. He has a lot of his own friends, people he's had a long history with, and it's very... You know, it's kind of like a fireside chat. Just like, hey, let's let's pull this up. Let's talk about songwriting and let's talk about the music industry. So it's cool. It's similar to this, but definitely has its own unique twist. So yeah, there you go. Check out all those other shows because uh, yeah, that's what we're doing. We're just kind of spreading the word about uh, those other shows and hopefully we'll start to bleed over listeners and, you know, educate people. That's all we're trying to do here. Two other things. Now that this show, I mean, this is like the, fuck, 80th episode. I'm starting to think about ways that obviously this can continue forward as far as like if you the listener likes different shit if you want to hear different things let me know because realistically i keep it pretty similar as far as the idea behind the show i don't do any sort of special things you know as far as like oh this is just going to be an episode of talking about music talking about new records or whatever uh i keep it pretty tight uh except for our year-end episode where i have a few and some of my previous guests talking around table about our favorite records there isn't really anything else so for one if you have some ideas and just you know want to throw my direction i'd love to have that sort of conversation and two i am thinking about ways to potentially you know monetize this thing and hopefully make some money to essentially cover my costs because you know this isn't free and obviously anybody that has ever listened to another podcast knows that everybody just begs for money (laughs) and i'm trying to think about the way that i can do that that obviously isn't going to bum anybody out do you think that having ads in the show is a bummer do you think me getting on microphone and saying oh we have a pledge drive or whatever do you think that's annoying i just want to find out the best way to do it or do you think it's like a kickstarter i don't know i just wanted to put it out there for anybody that's willing to contribute their own thoughts i love to hear it talk to a lot of people that i'm close with to see what their what their feelings are and you know just want to get the the brain trust going there and you can communicate with the show 100 words podcast at gmail.com and you can also find us on social networks all other type of stuff anyways now i, I said two things but 
I'm going to drop that other thing. We're just going to talk. We're going to go right into Davey. So Davey Havoc, I mean, for those of you who are into independent music and have never heard of AFI and or the lead singer of that band, Davey Havoc, um, I don't know. I think you're doing yourself a disservice or you haven't been paying attention at all. Uh, they are, uh, I, I don't even know what to describe AFI as right now, musically. Um, essentially, they're you know a punk and hardcore band that has developed over the years into a platinum-selling act. And it's just crazy to watch, you know, to feel so connected with a band because you've watched them since the inception of it and uh, how they've grown. And it's just crazy. I mean, and to say that their fan base is passionate is an understatement because these are these are people who are solely dedicated to the idea of following every move that this band makes. And it's just awesome because the core of the band uh, is rooted in such positive messages, whether it's, you know, veganism, whether it's straight edge or whatever. It's like there's there's enough behind this band that they're not just four dudes getting up there that are talking about their feelings because clearly there are people that do that already. So these guys, uh, they walk the walk. They're the real deal. And Davey Havoc, I've known him for a while and we've become closer via my day job and he's just a great guy. And it's one of those things where he didn't need to do this at all in any way, shape or form. But he invited me over to his house, and we sat down, and we talked for, fuck, a long time. I mean, I think this show will probably be close to an hour and 45 minutes. And he shared stuff with me that I know that he doesn't typically talk about in quote-unquote interviews just because people don't either give him the platform to do so or they need the latest and greatest soundbite. So I really appreciate Davey taking the time out to do this. And uh, for those of you who are interested, check it out. And even if you're not interested, if you fucking hate AFI, you'll listen to this and you'll be like, oh, Davey's a cool dude. I promise you that. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Davey, and I will talk to you afterwards. Hey, we didn't even talk about like the thing that I'm doing right now. I'm like, I know because it's, it's out everyone there. else is no. It's, yeah, yeah. People are usually yeah, aware yeah, of that. Great, yeah, yeah, totally. Good, the, good. My first experience. Like, I always like to start these things off with like my first personal kind of entry point to yeah. you as an individual and you meet your musical output. So like two things stand out. Um, one, you de- you played at one of the first shows I ever went to, the Showcase Theater in Corona. Um, Actually, it wasn't it wasn't my first show, but um, it's definitely like one of the first ten. Where I want to say it was like you guys, Ensign, um, maybe sick of it all. I can't remember. Like mm. it, it's one of those things that all those first couple of shows they just all kind of yeah, blend was, together because yeah. it's so monumental. It was after very proud of you, okay. um, and it was it was yeah. You guys were obviously you know I mean basically just like hey we're a punk hardcore band. Like, yeah. here's, here's what we're doing, um, and it struck me where it was like my own personal entry point to like independent music was definitely like fat records epitaph so it's like okay. i was used to that as opposed to like you know getting immediately into like earth crisis and strife oh, and stuff okay, like that. Okay. so i started to get into those bands but uh-huh. then seeing you guys play you guys in ensign specifically uh-huh. you guys playing with these bands that obviously were akin to that right. i was like oh you can do both right like, it was it was one of those things that like my mind you know my 15 year old mind didn't really process that at the time to be like Oh, you can kind of do both, like live in both worlds. Right, right. Yeah, it was, it was. Um, I mean, well, at the time, like bands, bands like us and Ensign and Sick of It All, we all really, we all really came from the same place. Right. And it wasn't until the early and mid '90s where the where that stark divide, yeah, 
occurred where when people started referring to hardcore, they were referring to something different than um, was being referred to in in the eighties. Yeah. Like when you were saying, you know, when we were talking about hardcore back then, mm-hmm. it was you referencing har- hardcore punk, right? Which didn't necessarily mean you know e crunch. Right, or, right. or, or it certainly didn't mean that. Actually, there was very, very little metal, or very little, you know, what was termed crossover. Right, of course. Um, in, involved in that. So, um, really, when people were talking about hardcore, they were talking about Black Flag, mm-hmm. and they were talking about the Germs, of course, and they were talking about, you know, the the Descendants and, totally and you know, jerks, and, and the Circle yeah. Jerks and and um, you know and what was going on in DC and negative approach and um, you know it was all it was all punk yep. and so as it as it veered harder and harder that delineation left a divide between you know when people refer to punk they were no longer referring to right. to what would then you know what bands like Agnostic Front Sickerall and Chromax paved the way for right. um, leading to you know, things like Strife and Earth Crisis. And- right, and what you guys were able to do. I, it was just one of those things where it was such a, it was such a welcome thing for me to experience. Because obviously when you're that age, you really are trying to figure out, first of all, like how music applies to your life, mm-hmm. but then how it works within the inner sanctum. Like how, it, you know, right. how it's all like, okay, those bands are of that thing and right. these bands do this thing. But, so I just remember that. And so it was like, okay, like, and I think it was shortly after that is obviously like when, you know, when, you guys had a full head of steam when Nitro was, you know, basically doing amazing things for you guys. And obviously you started to expand your fan base. Um, and then I totally, re- I remember, I want to say it was shortly before the art of drowning. Um, cause you, since Nitro was obviously in the Huntington beach yeah. Orange County area, yeah. you, uh, you came into a record store that I worked at bionic records, which was in Huntington. Um, and it was, I thought I found the experience so hilarious because it was like, I was like, Oh, that's like, that's Davey from AFI. And you came in, you bought like, five or six bootleg stickers mm-hmm. of AFI. Oh, right. And I just, I remember having this thing, like I felt so, I was like, oh fuck dude. Like, I'm sorry. Like, this isn't my idea. I'm not bootlegging your stickers. <laughs> totally fine. And it was, just, it was just so funny. Cause you were totally, you were like, and I even said something about it and you were just, and that, you, that same exact response you had right there where you're just like, Oh, like I get it. He's like, I did, you, you said, I just like to buy like any AFI stuff that I see. Like in general, yeah, because you're just collecting it for you know memories. I, I was, yeah, and you couldn't get it. They were decals. <laughs> yeah, totally. Like I the remember, window, yeah, yeah, yeah. The window, de- window decals, and I remember seeing back then because I would see cars with the decals on it. And I thought it was cool, and I wish that we had them. <laughs> right, and you're and like, so who made those? I was excited when. Well, yeah. I know I wouldn't see the AFI one, so when I went into Bionic and I saw that they existed, I was excited that you guys were bootlegging them because we didn't know how to do it. <laughs> right, we didn't know how to make those. No, I know it was just um, it, it was just one of those things where it know. was like I, I could have never expected to be in that scenario you know, ever position. to be like huh that's weird he's buying his own stickers <laughs> yeah i just gave them to my friends and stuff yeah you're like oh here you go this, yeah. is, this is what it is yeah that that was uh, I, re- I remember that <laughs> i just I remember, yeah, I remember that was that was a very funny experience i was with uh, chris robinson who who brought us into that label who brought us into nitro who was a great guy who right. was really the person who got us at the label mm-hmm. it was it was it was great he had heard us and he really pushed to to bring us in and not a lot of people there understood what we did. When we, um, I remember playing him, uh, we recorded the Black Sales record. Sure. Just loved it, right? Mm. And it was, as every record is, it was, you know, very different from the last that we'd recorded. And right. I remember the owner of the label said he didn't get it, which what? makes sense. Right, right. <laughs> you look at certain bands, like Trajectories, and obviously, like, their musical output, and certain bands are obviously comfortable sitting in their wheelhouse. Like, you know, I mean, using other bands, whatever, like Lagwagon, New Year's for Name, like, those bands um, are fucking incredible, 
but they stay within pretty much the confines of what they've done since their kind of their their first records. Mm-hmm. You know, like Duh and Trash from Lagwagon sound. I'm not going to be able to vibe with you on this one. I don't know what to say. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> but I'm but, trusting what you're saying. No, no, yeah, yeah. But basically, it's like you know, they like I said, they they kind of stick within that what they do. Right. So it's like right. you know, uh, very proud of you. Like that, you know, that sort of set the mold and. You know, a lot of labels are comfortable in operating where it's like, okay, we know what we're buying into. Right. And then when you right. start to expand, that's and when it's like... Shut your mouth and open your mouth. I sounds nothing like that one. <laughs> right. Black Sale sounds nothing like that one. Totally. Like, they're oh, just like... we did. Right. Exactly. They're like, uh, yeah. what do we... We I don't... Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I don't know what to do. <laughs> I don't know what to do with this band. I don't know what to do. <laughs> um, we'll, we'll get to that. But you... Born and raised. Always in Northern California? No, 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 no. I was born in upstate New York. Okay. Um, but I've lived in Northern California... Since I was five. Okay. So I'm... Um, where, where in upstate New York? Rochester. Okay, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, I was born in Rochester, New York. Mm-hmm. I still have family there. Um, I have an Italian restaurant. Oh, really? In Webster. Oh, nice. Yep. Um, great Italian food. And when we're up there, um, my uncle will just roll out the, the red, red carpet, carpet for yeah, us. Yeah. And, and hey, Davey, come on in! Yeah, that's it. I mean, that's, that's it. <laughs> Davey, baby, let me feed you. I'm like okay, Davey, baby, yeah. that's perfect. Yeah, they're great. They they're they're wonderful. That's awesome. Um, yeah, Uncle Whitey and Aunt Sandra always feed me. That's great. Um, and all of us, they'll bring food for all of us. He's like, he's like, you can't give me a little more advance notice. You tell me in a day, and I gotta, you know, like, I'm sorry, I, like, oh, I don't know I where just, I'm going. Yeah. I don't know where I am. You're like, I'm not the best planner in the world, I'm but just, I, at least I'm, I let you know beforehand. I'm just not. I was talking to Josh Freeze last night, yeah, and because yeah. I, I went to see Nine Inch Nails. Sure. And so, um. I text him. I said, am I, am I about to watch you with Nine Inch Nails at the Troubadour? He's like, man, I haven't been in that band for years. <laughs> and he goes, but will you, be at, will you be at Riot Fest on the Sunday, the 15th? Right. I'll see you there, right? And I'm, I said, I don't know. I said, I don't know. <laughs> You're like, I, but if I'm told to be here, then I'll, yeah. yeah I, I know, know we're playing. I don't know which day it is. <laughs> right, um, I know we're playing. But then I put it together. I said, wait, are you drumming for the replacements? He said, yeah. And I said, oh, yeah. Oh, I'm going to be there the same day. That's exciting. Yeah, I'll be that's sitting awesome. on your lap while you're playing drums. <laughs> you're like, I'll be taking some pictures. Yeah. I'm not much of a picture decker, but yeah, yeah, I'm a yeah, lap yeah. sitter. <laughs> more of that's more my vibe. That's amazing. So, yeah. so uh, um, why, why did your parents move from Rochester to... Um, what had happened, my uh, aunt mm-hmm. had moved to California prior to my birth I think okay. um, I don't know exactly when she moved but somewhere either prior to my birth or, right. or shortly five, after five yeah, yeah, years yeah. Of, of my life right. and my mother wanted to be close to her sister Okay. and so um, we moved to Sacramento Okay. where my aunt lived with her husband and my cousin who's like my sister got it um, and so I spent I spent a lot of the 80s in, in Sacramento in, in Sacramento um, which was very formative for me. Um, there was an alt rock station there. I don't remember what it was called. Yeah. I do remember hearing Culture Club and Depeche Mode, um, and Duran Duran, sure. and The Cure, and uh, there were malls, and thereby there were mall punks, right? And uh, the Death Rockers, and sure. lunch boxes, and big hair, and I was always enamored of that. And um, they're hanging at the local food court. They, I, you know, it was. <laughs> There wasn't a food court. Sure, there, sure. There were just, I just remember them by like planners and then just, you know, they had their little hang areas, but it, I don't remember it being a food court. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There was like a frozen yogurt stand in that, in the birdcage mall that I could remember 
they would always be circling. Yeah, yeah they'd yeah. be around there, and um, so like you, you would be with their, you would be there with your parents, and then you would kind of be like watching them. What are the? Yeah, are I like, kids I like that. Yeah, and I remember, I remember, like I remember the, you know, the Neubauten logos and the and the sisters logos. And, yeah. You know, um, I love how iconic those the, things are because, like, skinny puppy. Yeah, like, yeah. They, you don't, I mean, you don't have any idea what they mean, but no. you look at it and it's so visually strong and compelling. Yeah. You're just like, we're, we're like, I, you know, I need I, to know what this is. Yeah, we're, what we're is like, that? Right, we're what is that fi- little guy with the dot in the center? What totally, is that? what is that? You know, I, all that, and um, and then you know the DK logo, like, oh yeah, like yeah. that. It's like it seems, you know, so ominous in a way it seems so totally tough, you know yeah. and, and the flag bars i remember that and there was go skate records there uh, i'm sorry ghost go skate which was a skate shop and i started okay. skating one which was actually really um inspirational to me being i started skateboarding i got my first subscription subscription to thrasher okay um in like 1984 okay and i think i started skating in like 1982 was like a sure. really little kid yeah, yeah and um that had a huge huge impact on Right, because then, um, hardcore and punk, and death rock and all of that was, was tied colliding, yeah, was yeah. was tied with skateboarding. Right, because right. it was tr- you know truly such a completely different scene than it is now, mm-hmm. and it was very um, counterculture and forward thinking and dangerous and illegal. Right, right. Um, <laughs> yeah, because it, it's so like I love how I mean obviously skateboarding skateboarding and music have always been so intrinsic intrinsically linked. Because, like you said, it is that, like, well, people didn't know what to do with skateboarding before, you know, Tony Hawk obviously made it as mainstream as it is now. Who was that Nine Inch Nails last night? That's incredible. It was pretty cool. <laughs> You're like, hey, there's Tony I like, Hawk. I like that. But, like, so, yeah, it's like you have these two, these two weird groups not, not knowing what to do with right. one another. But they're like, but we're attracted to one another. Right. Like, because we're, we are this weird subset. And it crossed over. I mean, it yeah. was, you know, uh, it really, really was, was intermeshed. There was... Um, you know, skate rock, all the skate rock compilations. Of course. And, and then within Thrasher magazine, which which was, you know, really, really set the whole tone for the for the culture of skateboarding back then, there was... Right. What was it called? Something Notes. Do you remember? I don't know, no. Oh, oh I can't believe I can't remember now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it like where the, the section where they featured music stuff? Yeah, it was yeah, the music yeah. section. Got um, it. There was Notes from the Underground. Okay. Which is what I was thinking of. Got and it. Then there was a, and there was another music section. Got it. And you'd see, like you know, the faction would be would be covered in there, right? Um, which was uh, um, Steve Cavallaro's band, sure, uh, and you know, tons tons of tons of skate rock and like thrash, and, right, right, right. Uh, it so was, it was fun. So that that had a huge impact on me, and being uh, being in California really facilitated that because mm-hmm. there was a big skate scene in California. Totally, I was like this grommet kid who would you know go hang out in the skate shop, and when when the movie Thrashing came out, carried my board to the movie theater. That's incredible. With, with you know, with yeah, a towel yeah. sweatshirt tied around my waist. You're like, I'm ready. Someone called me a poser. Sure. They were right. <laughs> yeah, you're like, but I want I want to experience this. Yeah. I, I'm dressed up yeah, for yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. They were right. <laughs> what did, I mean, what did I tried you... to skate. I just wasn't yeah, just, good. Yeah, I, I completely empathize with that. Yeah. That was terrible. Um, what did your uh, what did your parents do for a living? What was happening at that point? Yeah. My... Or or even like, yeah, just like your formative like the most, you know um, what they spend the most time doing. Well, my, my father at the time was, he was always, he's always done mail order stuff. Okay. So he was working in mail order and he, oddly enough, it was like woodsman okay. supplies, okay, chainsaws. Yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs> Shipping chainsaws. Yeah. That yeah. kind of thing. Sure. Yeah. He was doing that in Sacramento. Okay. Um, I remember his boss, 
his his boss was what seemingly was this very very old couple, mm-hmm. um, and I guess he was a horrible oppressive boss. Uh-huh. But I'll tell you what about that boss. That boss bought me an Atari twenty six hundred for Christmas. Holy shit! When it came out, that's huge. And I didn't think I was going to get one. In fact, I don't think I was going to get one, right. despite fervent, constant begging. Yeah, you're like, this is number one list. Because that was it. That, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. That, that, that was like, I would listen to the radio, and I would play video games. Right. I mean, and, and, and cartoons. Cartoons, sure. video games, and, and the radio. Mm-hmm. And then I probably put out the 2600. And wow, that's incredible that he got... Like, he got it for... I remember the look on my parents' faces, because they were shocked. Because sure. they, they didn't want me to have it. Right. And, um, they're like, but oh, we can't say no because they, you can't, bar, there it yeah. is. The, the kid's freaking. <laughs> so, and, um, and it's coming from my boss. Like, there's yeah. so many reasons why I can't say no to this. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think his name was Norval. No, oh, wow, that is a very old fashioned name. Right? Yeah, Norval. He was old fashioned too. Yet he got the kid. Yeah. A, a video game. That's incredible. So, my dad was doing that, sure. and, um, my mom was taking care of me, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, I was hanging out with my cousin. I mean, I was very young. Uh, was it, it was your cousin uh, of similar age to you? Or yeah, was she she's like, okay. my cousin's just like six months older than me. Oh, okay. You see, yeah, like I can see where you're saying like it's your sister so, because your mom wanted to be close to her sister, yeah. so it was just like this nice. We we would hang out, and she was so cool. My cousin was like, like always had like a little new wave haircut. Yeah, and, yeah. And you know, we we were into swatches, and you know, she was she you know she was into. The sugar cubes and love and rockets and sure. the cure and like we you know we we bonded met, met, yeah, yeah. met over that stuff um, as well and you know she was she was great she was always she was always a cool a cool yeah yeah girl like you said that's why you refer to her as your sister because it was such a close yeah, upbringing yeah yeah, yeah 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 and we'd go to we had a really great um, relationship with uh, with Chuck E Cheese pizza parlor because my grandfather would take me to Chuck E Cheese uh-huh. and he'd give us tokens for the video games right. and get us pizza. And my cousin loved the pizza and I love the video games. So I would trade her food for tokens. <laughs> Talk about a symbiotic relationship. Yes. Like you guys just fed off one this, another. This, the symbiosis was, was very strong. <laughs> That's incredible. It was great. And your family structure was, a, you were an only child up until, cause you have a little uh, younger brother. I have a younger brother. Yeah. Right, right. My, my younger brother was born, um, eight years after I was. Okay. And, uh, that was that was in sack. Was your parents' plan always to have more than one child, or was that a? Uh... I don't know. Yeah, I think he. I think he was wanted. Right, I right, think right. He was a planned, a okay. planned birth. I was. They, upset. they just wanted really. Yeah, yeah. I didn't want a kid at all. I'm. I, I'm an only child. And oh, I, are you? Oh, yeah. I oh. Lo- like. I probably. I mean, especially because you were eight and you understood your world, and you're like, right. I get like I get this. Yeah. Why, why is are it you coming? Pre- I, I I never liked babies. Right. Still don't. Still don't. Still right. don't. I'm not a fan of babies. I don't sure. want to hold your baby. Um, I don't want to see pictures of your baby. I don't care who you are. Right. I don't care how close I am to you. I yeah, don't, yeah. I don't want yeah, to see yeah. it. I'm not into it. Yeah. I know something happens to your brain when you have one, and you right. forget that about me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's it's <laughs> it holds true. Yeah. I, no matter I, what happened to your brain after you. Totally. You're you like I've, I've I've made this abundantly clear. Anybody yeah. that knows me, just I'm just, just yeah, not, I'm out on it. Just just not into it. Yeah, never yeah. have been since very young. Right. 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 Uh, so, so when, when that happened, did you have a story about hating baby Jesus? Right. I've also hated the baby Jesus since I was very, very young, which caused my grandmother to have a heart attack. Really? Yeah. I mean, a really young child. Was there a religious upbringing from your parents' perspective? Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm, uh, I'm Italian. Italian. So you yeah, have to be so, Catholic. So there, was sure. ca- there was Catholicism. Right, right, right. Catholicism abounded in, in my, uh, in my youth. And so, uh, when you're 
grandmother sits you on her lap around Christmas and tells you the story of the baby Jesus and mm-hmm. you're I mean like it was I remember where I was I remember doing it and so I was anywhere from well I was speaking so I don't know right. when, when you start speaking yeah probably like I mean th- if you're able to do sentences between three and five so probably. that's where I was yeah, yeah, yeah. I was the, at the youngest three but you were in Sacramento at the or you were five. I was in New York okay yeah, New York. yeah yeah she got to the part and she said and then the baby Jesus and I said I hate the baby Jesus my Italian grandmother, she flips. She yells from a mom, Patty! But what, like, you, was that just like a gut reaction? You were just like, yeah, I've heard this saying, story, don't she, like it. She kept, no, because she kept saying baby Jesus. Oh, okay. And she said, no, no, you love the baby Jesus. Dude, and I said, I hate the baby Jesus. Not it. <laughs> that's flipping, incredible. You're like, flipping. Nope. Right. Think she has the Antichrist in her lap. Of course. <laughs> that's incredible. So, obviously, from that point on, like, did your... <clears throat> Did your parents feel the need to try to continue on the path of Catholicism? For well, you, it was it was it... more about the babies at that sure. point. <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah, you weren't uh, you weren't making a stance in. in I mean, it religion. was it, it was it was prescient. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, I, <laughs> yeah. There was some foreshadowing there. Yeah, yeah, yeah little yeah. did we know. <laughs> right, but right, right. Um, yeah, I'm I'm still no longer a fan of either. Sure, I'm still I'm still not a fan of either. Right, um, right, right. But um, <laughs> it was it was. I never, I never liked babies, and so I wasn't really excited about my brother coming. Right. Um, I didn't want to hold him. I presumed he would never crawl, talk, or walk. Sure. He's never going to call, talk. He's right. never going to walk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He He's is. stuck in this stasis of being a baby. He's just, yeah, yeah. it's just, it's just, I'm not into it. And um, he is the best thing that's ever happened in my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He is the best human being alive. Wait, when did the point shift for you where it's like when he started to was it when he basically started to become a human and you were like no 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 I mean it was much later it was much later it was when we became the same age (laughs) Um, yeah when when the when the adult crash happens and then you start to be like oh like even though there's these eight years difference like we're 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 the same we're the same and it you know I left I left the house when I was 17 Mm -hmm. so at that point he was nine sure Um, and so you know, I knew him as a kid, and we had right, fun, we not, had fun right. as a kid. You right. know, when he was a little kid, I didn't continue to hate him as he was a child. Right. Um, but yeah, uh, you're not going to bond yeah. with him in this long-lasting thing. Not in the same way that right. we have as as, right, right, right. as adults. And, like, I, I, I mean, he's, he's really number one. Yeah, yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. And so the... Because uh, Sacramento is such a weird town. Like, I mean, I've I've been up there a lot. I've, I've played shows up there. And just seeing, like... I mean, it's just a... It's, I mean, it, it's it, weird. It's flat. It's yeah. so, like... It's. It reminds me of Central California, except not as terrible. Like, it's pretty similar. Yeah, just yeah. like the landscape. And and did it, you feel it's full of speed? Right. We got out of there in like the late eighties. Okay. Um, and we moved, we moved toward the coast. We moved um, to Northern California a town called Ukiah, which is in Mendocino, which was the capital of Mendocino. Right. Just completely different vibe. No totally. No mall. Right. No yeah, mom lot punks. Of, right. Lot, lot, lot of mom and pop stuff there, though. A lot of mom and pop yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, very, like, agriculturally driven. Sure. Um, and sustained drugs. A lot of drugs. I think, especially now more so than ever, they supply um, most of California and probably the nation with their marijuana. Sure. Which is really hard to get in L.A., it seems. <laughs> I mean... It's not like the legalization aspect of it. I I don't take issue with that because sure. it's not about legality for right, me. Right, right. Um, you know, I mean, if we're talking about legality, then alcohol should be illegal. Of course, cigarettes should be illegal. Right, either right, make right. either make drugs illegal or don't care, care or don't care. Right. I think that what the, all that is is a, is a divide of 
you know, morality mm-hmm. and, and there's no division between church and state. And it's the church that's informing what drug is and isn't okay. Of course. The reality right. is they're all not okay. They're all fucked, including marijuana. So the whole legality thing of it is I was, you know, to me, it's not about that. It's, you know, it's, the government's not doing their job in that respect anyway. You know, through, through prohibition, you see that, you know, it doesn't work. Yeah. Or it, it at least didn't work, at, it, you know, at the time in the way that they instilled it. But I'll Did tell you what, it fucking sucks having these fucking pot stores everywhere. Yeah. Like, now that it's here. Sure. Because what it changes my argument like i would talk about it with my friends and i'm like it's no it's no different everybody but you and i smoke smokes weed yeah oh totally. we're, we're the only people the who minority. don't sweet yeah, smokes right. weed so whether it's being whether it's legalized or not is irrelevant mm-hmm. and you know i mean it's not legal now it's technically but right but um you know and i was coming from a place was you know at least if you make it legal you can tax the hell out of it you'll shut down the drug dealers of course with the, with bl- that. the, bl- the black market will be as eliminated as it possibly can with the exception of you know a few people here and there exactly right you know and so there's a lot of positives that come can come from that however i'm finding that the negatives is that it just really supports the the completely cavalier mm-hmm. and relaxed discussions sure it supports the culture well it just yeah it's 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 it's, it is more it's everywhere right even more so i feel like every day is woodstock you know it's it's very much a part of the idea that obviously you have to experience these things in order to be a part of the culture as a whole from like you have to drink you have to you have to smoke marijuana like just at the bare minimum you have to do those two things it's it's become so of course you do eh? (laughs) right I mean, yeah, it's, not yeah. even, it's not even a conversation. It's not even like you have to. It's more of a question of... Why don't you? How could, it's, it's like, wait, you don't drink water? Right. Totally. Totally. It's not even, it's not even a question any longer. It becomes so ingrained in culture, and it's, and it's just such a, an, an accepted thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing. It seems to... The, the legality of it and the, um, the ubiquity of these, of, of these pot stores seems to excuse it sure and there's no excuse for it right right there's no excuse for it when, when did you like when because i mean for anybody that has put five seconds worth of investigation in you knows that i mean you're straight edge and you obviously don't have you i just started talking about this it's i don't even know how we did this it's fine we were, t- we were talking about montecito it's totally fine let's talk about pop music the common question that you get when you don't participate in you know the drug or alcohol culture is like or are you a recovering addict yourself? Mm-hmm. Um, or did you have something, uh, you know, uh, or are your parents out? Yeah, did you have a traumatic event? Right, 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 right. I mean, did, were, did you fall into either of those no, categories? No, I, don't, I, I didn't. Um, my, my parents weren't drug users, mm-hmm. and, um, and I was never a drug user. Sure. Uh, it, it just never appealed to me. The culture didn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then having grown up in the punk rock scene, in the alternative scene, right. um, it was as much a part of that totally the drug culture as it was mainstream culture and i didn't understand it i because it was a community that was supposed to be separate from the rest and that was supposed to be moving forward mm-hmm. and you know striving for forward thought and 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 positive change and growth while they were destroying themselves and destroying right. their relationships and destroying their bodies through the same recreational drug use that, that the you know, mainstream culture that they were supposedly eschewing right 
was do you know the same way that they were doing it, and um, I didn't, I could not, it just it didn't I, it did, it did yeah, not, yeah, yeah. I could not understand it, and, sure, and sure. it seemed so hypocritical and so weak. Then I discovered Minor Threat, right? Which, you know, which I <laughs> hadn't <laughs> discovered until you know a few years into it, and I was I heard the song, searched out information about the band, and right. I realized. Oh, there, there are more of us, and this is right. this is That's, what this right. is what I am. This is me. Yeah, this yeah, is yeah. this is what I am. And from then on, I I claimed I claimed straight edge, and then I found that there were a few more of us here and there. Right. Um, some of whom were pretending. Right. right. Many of whom were pretending. Um, <laughs> many of whom I believed in that were lying. <laughs> that were that were lying me... and are now playing shows and lying again <laughs> publicly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, especially when you know you started to become aware of you know, the scene as a whole, where it's, like, because it was in the 80s and that was still, like, you know, nihilism and punk were obviously, like, so intrinsically attached to one another. Yeah. And, like, that whole, you know, idea of just, like, well, whatever, like, you know, live fast, die young sort of right, thing. Right, right. And it was, it, it's just, it's it's always funny to hear that, like, you're being a counterculture to a counterculture. counterculture. Right, yeah, <laughs> I mean, we were, you know, we were alone within the loners. <laughs> yeah, and you're like, wow, this is even more of a subdivide of this. Yeah, I'm just yeah. more isolated. I mean, there's really, as you know, I mean, you being, you know, you being a fellow edgeman, right, right. I mean, there is, I mean, there is nothing more isolating. Totally. Than, you know, I mean, there are a few things who, that you can choose to alienate yourself more, especially from Western culture. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, look, the look on people's faces when, totally. when they don't know and then they find out and it's right. They're like yeah, something's mean, wrong with you. Yeah, you, yeah. You do what? Right. You, you don't do what? You why? Do, why? Why? That's terrible. There's a great, we had, wow. We have this, one of my favorite stories about that. It was so bizarre because I had no idea how these yokels knew, mm -hmm. um, what we were about, but we're on tour. Uh huh. Okay, so we weren't we weren't in a van because my really good friend Reno was with us. And okay, I think he was there in the van days. Sure, but we we I I don't know where we are. We're in sure. middle of America somewhere. Right, right. We're at a gas station. Mm -hmm. We pull over to get drinks or snacks or something right. in the middle of the night, fueling up, and we walk in, and it's it's you know just one of those independent little of course, right, little right. snack shacks, and <laughs> they're like, okay, this is a band company, you know, <laughs> but exactly, and and. Bob and John are hanging out at the counter and John's behind the counter and there's, and, and, you know, this, this woman's sitting there with them and we all roll in. Um, and none of us have anything visible. Sure. We're not wearing, we're not wearing hardcore shirts. Right, right, right. We're all wearing just like yeah. black, black hoodies and, and right. like nothing. comfortable clothes to like drive and sleep for eight or 10 hours. Nothing, yeah, nothing. Yeah. There are no, there are no X's anywhere on us. You right. can't see our tattoos. Sure. We're completely nondescript. Right. Um, I mean, I, well, I probably looked like a drag queen at the time. Right. <laughs> right. Nondescript for our, what we're used to. Point right. being right. no X's anywhere. Right. No, no sports lettering on anything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And we roll in, you hear one of them say, John, what the hell is this? And he says, oh, you know, those are them Xers. <laughs> You're like, what? I'm like, whoa, are you guys hearing this? Yeah. He said, what? What's that? It's like, they're Xers. So what does that mean? Well, they wear all black. They don't drink. They don't drink. They don't smoke. They don't do nothing. He goes, they don't drink? Why the hell would you do that? <laughs> Prom yeah. It was... You're incredible. Fantastic. Like, I perfect. wish I could have recorded this. Fantastic. So. That's so good. Yeah, it was great. That's funny. Xers. Yeah, Xers. I don't know how I knew we were no. Xers. We were Xers. I've 
this that is the first time I've ever heard Xers being used. I'd never heard it. Never heard that. Either. Yeah, it's we, incredible. Were, we were Xers. We weren't all Xers, but a lot of us were Xers. The, the ones he was referring to were Xers. We're Xers, right? And right. Our Xs were he showing. Smelled, he smelled it out. Yeah, <laughs> Smith was there too. He's not an Xer, and he heard it. And he, he was heard it. Thrilled. <laughs> we were all thrilled. And so, obviously, as you started to dive into, you know, independent... Uh, I mean, did, did you go to high school in the Montes... Is it Mont... It's called Ukiah. Ukiah, sorry. Yeah, right. I went to high school there. That's where AFI formed. Right, right, right. Um, and, like, at that t- at that time, you were already... You, you were already completely encompassed with, like, punk and, like... I was you, in. you were going to shows and, like, this was... I was in. This was already... I was too young to drive, so actually when... As, as soon as Mark the guitarist of AFI mm-hmm. turned 16. He was the oldest one of us at the time. Oh, that's perfect. Then it was driving every weekend to and from Gilman street, um, which was a two hour drive each way to Berkeley. Um, we would see, but we would also drive to see shows in Petaluma, the Phoenix theater. Sure. Um, green day would play like vets halls and like churches mm-hmm. and stuff in like neighboring areas. We used to play in this tiny little town called Lakeport mm-hmm. in a, fairground hall. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, Wherever they could have it. Yeah, and, you know, there were some punks there that would try to get bands to play that come from the East, East Bay. Like, I remember meeting Jeffrey and Cinder from Tilt when they played there, and they made fun of us while we were playing. <laughs> like, 15 would play, like, those, which was... Um, Jeff Fox. Jeff from right. Crimson. Wow, very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So a lot of that, because the East Bay was close, a lot mm-hmm. of what was going on there would permeate up, up north. Sure. Um, and we weren't really doing that. We were we were we were listening to that stuff for right. sure. Um, but we were really looking more towards eighties Los Angeles and eighties DC, right? Was, as was as just, your reference as, points, as, as our reference points, and stuff like um, you know negative approach. And, mm-hmm. um, it's pretty because in, in knowing obviously where you guys came from, even though that music obviously is um, you know I mean for lack of a better term is like simple to play. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 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 mature to make those decisions to be like, hey, these are the bands we're referencing rather than the bands that we are currently witnessing. Because it's like right. that's usually the easiest focal point for when you decide to start your first band or whatever. Where it's like, oh, yeah, I want to sound like you know this band that's bigger in our area. Yeah, just because that's what yeah that's what we're influenced yeah by. we were. I mean, we like that stuff. Um, but, but that wasn't that, that wasn't, wasn't like fault, it right? was it wasn't you know what we were we were mainly into. That's why we called the the seven inch behind the times because no one. Right. What we were playing, right? What we were trying to play um, was already over, right? Right, but, right. Like you know, the new thing was Jawbreaker, right? Right. And, man, you could not go to a show without seeing three bands pretending to be Jawbreaker, right? Before whoever was headlining, <laughs> right? Everybody was trying to sound like Jawbreaker, Crimpshine, right? Um, they, because that, like you said, those were like the lowest hanging fruit. So that's what your fourteen, fifteen year old kids are going to pull from to be I like, guess. I want to start. I want to start this band. Yeah. But I mean, was AFI actually your first full fledged band that you like played shows with? Uh, yes, that was that was the first band that I ever played shows and that's with. Sh- I, that's I, shocking. I, 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 there was a brief period in like eighth grade <laughs> yeah, yeah. where some. A uh, couple of metal kids said they were starting a band and asked me to sing. I'm like, fuck yeah. Sure. And, um, You're like, I don't know what I'm doing, but sure. We rehearsed once. That was it. It didn't happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, so AFI was the first band. It's just, it's just so rare. Usually you have your you know, your one terrible b- band before your band that obviously like kind of gets you out in the world. Well, but... I mean, that's the, uh, that's the bitter to the sweet is that all that is on record. That's true. Yeah, you it's know? <laughs> I don't have the luxury of being like, oh, that's, that's my buried. old band. Yeah, I have to buried. hear people shouting out the fucking songs from 1992 that I made the mistake of recording when I'm five years old. 
That's so true. You're just you know, like, well, it's like I ha- that's funny because yeah, it's like you're. I like, didn't have enough talent to be Robert Smith. <laughs> your whole your we're, whole we're, life we're, is documented. I mean, your whole musical life is documented on tape and yeah, on record. Yeah, and that yeah, that's something that's difficult to live past. It, yeah, it, <clears throat> it is, and it's. I mean, don't you, get me wrong. I'm proud of it. Well, of course, yeah, but it's you're but just it's like completely right. Like, how how like, can really? right? <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah. You're seriously asking for a song off of our second record like, still? Like, do you still bathe with your siblings naked? Because that's... Can I take a picture of it? Right, because that's what I feel like that's I was... what you're asking me to do. <laughs> that's um, so true. Yeah. What, what did your... What, as you started to obviously, like, you know, put the band together and, and do that, like, how were your parents reacting to you? Because I presume that uh-huh. school was not something you were overly interested in. Or was it? I mean, we were in high school mm-hmm. and, you know, the band was certainly the most exciting thing to me i was also doing musical theater sure i did a lot of that um growing up and i loved i loved both of those things my right. uh my director would always be upset with me when i would i was also in choir so if i would go to a show in san francisco and come back at dawn my voice would be shot. shot yeah um and he would get upset and he was right to be upset and i was like back then <laughs> you know inspired by darby mm-hmm. and chavo right uh, you know i thought the more I hurt my voice, the better it was sounding on stage. Right, right. Like, I gotta get this gravel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. It's just like, oh. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, so I was, you know, I really started hurting myself early on. Um, right. But I was, you know, I was, I was also, I was a really good student. Interesting. Yeah, I was. I was like, a, specific, you, you, you felt like a, a sense of honor about that? Or like, you just were, were really excited about? A, oh, I wasn't excited. I just, um, you just did. I just came did. naturally? Yeah, I figure, I mean, it's kind of like what, anything else in my life I either do it or I don't do it (laughs) um so you're in or you're out right yeah I'm either going to do my best at this or I'm just not going to do it at all Mm -hmm. and um and I was interested in learning right um I fared well in high school I think I graduated with like a 4.63 4.63 or well, something great. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. taking AP classes. AP and classes, that thing. That, Damn, that that was that was all happening. Um, I'm sure. I'm sure. In a sense, that obviously made it easier for your parents to be like, okay, Davey's into some weird stuff that we right. have no context of, but he's still producing at school. So yeah, or or were were there still? Yeah, I mean, there were, there, there was there was there were still blowouts. It was, um, you know, uh, my mother didn't really understand what I was into. She, there'd be a lot of tears and. You know, and it, I mean, it would enrage me when the, the over and over, are you on drugs? Sure. You know, which for someone like us is insulting. Of course. Um, and like, there you're, is, you're not listening to me. I don't do that. Uh, yeah. Sure you're not. That's what exactly. every kid says. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, you don't, I'm like, you're not listening to me. I stand against that. <laughs> right. You, you hear know? these records. You're like, yeah. I wish I could have a presentation for you. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, what's with all this dark stuff and what are you into <clears throat> and, you know, you know, you're, you're, you know, I was in the eighth grade. The nun called her in for a parents' teacher conference to tell her that I was worshiping the devil, and you know, uh, to, to send her home with like the right. '80s propaganda Tipper Gore videos. Sure, sure. And my mom's like, she said she wanted you to watch this video. I'm like, what's this video? She says you worship the devil. I'm like, I don't worship the devil. It's for me. She's like, she's like, well, she wants you to watch this. I'm like, what is it? She says it's got all these bands you listen to, like Dead Kennedys and Ozzy Osbourne. Oh, rat, let me watch yeah. it. You're like, great. You give me a, a, yeah. a sweet mixtape. Yeah, I want to see this. <laughs> so then she didn't let me watch it. Right. Um, I feel like maybe I shouldn't have acted. So there were, there were there were moments. Um, and then with the band, on the one hand, they'd allow us to rehearse in the living room. Oh, that's great. Um, sometimes. Right. And sometimes we'd rehearse in uh, Adam's garage. Mm-hmm. You know, my father would come in and sing along. 
Really? Yeah. He was he to say he was supportive is an understatement. Yeah. Yeah. That's he amazing. Was really, really supportive. Did he? Was it, it? Can you point pinpoint a reason behind that, or was he just excited he, he, because he, were, he was a rocker? Okay. Uh, he loved he loved rock in college. You know, he played guitar and amazing. Um, so he, so he felt he, he felt connected. Like, yeah, he was li- he was he was living his his dreams through his son. Where it's like this is great. This is great. Yeah. Right. You know, um, my mother when I dropped out of college. Um, I went to UC Berkeley briefly mm-hmm. after. What were you school. trying to study there? I or, or you just you went there because that I was went there because that's what, what you do. The band had broken up. We broke up. We thought, okay, well, I mean, no one cares about this. We can't really do this. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, we go to college. We do whatever like sure. we had planned on doing, and so the band broke up in nineteen ninety three. Okay, sure. For six months. Right, right. <laughs> um, and uh, I was at UC Berkeley, mm-hmm. and I. Had I was majoring in psych and English. Okay. So I think, honestly, I think the number was like 81. I wrote 81 page, pages. I mean, 81 papers my first semester. Wow. Because I had so many writing classes. Sure. Each required like three papers a week. Right, right, right. It was, it was nuts. You were just, yeah. I was just, just writing, 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 writing. That's all. Yeah, yeah. But it was really for lack of any focus. Right. Like, I enjoyed learning but nothing there wasn't anything that i felt that school was going to lead me to that was going to be fulfilling right um and so there was at least historic to us historic show uh in in the winter of of 1993 that resulted in us reuniting and decided that we were going to do it for the rest of our lives thereafter i, I like i like how you call it reuniting like there was the, the this six it, month of a, like just tumultuous time yeah, i don't know what to do with my yeah, life yeah yeah, but, it was but just it's like true. yeah, the reunion of just like hey, we're all in the same room. Like hey, w- like what are you doing? Let's what are do you it again. To? Sure, it was it was more planned than that. There sure, was, there was a show we were asked to play. Have you heard this story? Mm-mm. A lot of people have heard this story. Sure, but it's um, we were at a show. With, I was at a show at the Phoenix Theater, and there was a kid in a local band. I think his name was Dave, and I okay. think he was in Milk Fat. And he okay. said, "You need to play a reunion show." Right, right, right. And I'm like, no one cared. Right. He's like, no, after you broke up, everyone bought your seven inches from the record store. That's it. And they're trading around tapes. And um, People care now. It. People sure. care now. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. No one ever cared. It's like, no, you should play a reunion show. I said, okay. Called up everyone. Hey, you guys want to play when we're home for Christmas? This, right. apparently this. And I was like, sure, why not? Yeah, what do we have to lose? Yeah, why not? Um, talk to our friends in Dead and Gone. Sure. Who are amazing. Incredible band. I mean, just amazing. Like, will you guys play this stupid show with us? <laughs> and he said, Sure. So, and then the Milk Fat played. Sure. And uh, we had a reunion show at the Phoenix, and it was the first time. It felt like there were a thousand kids there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably. 200, right, 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 right. It's the first time everyone was singing along. That's incredible. It's the best feeling in, my, in the world. Sure. No better feeling. Right. We get backstage. Rocky from Dead and Gone is like, fuck you if you break up this band. You're fucking insane, Tom, who in the Phoenix Theater is like, you can't, you guys cannot break up. You cannot break up. Yeah. This is important. Sure. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Right. You know, and then we all talk. I'm like, I think we should do this. And everyone said, Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. And so, um, so then everybody just dropped whatever. They everyone were dropped out of school. And when I dropped out of school, it was like my mom asked me once a month, "Are you going back to school? Yeah. When are you going no. to do that? Right. Are you going back to school? No, I'm never going back to school. Well, what is this? How long are you going to do this? This is all I'm going to do. Well, can you can you tell me can, who is the biggest band in the genre? Like, wh- what is the biggest band? What what is this? Right. And I'm like, you don't know what they're called. Well, what are they called? They're called Sick of It All. Right. Biggest band in the genre is Sick of It All. Well, I don't even know what that is. I'm right. Like, it doesn't matter. How, what, what are you going to do? I go, I'm going to play music the rest of my life. I go, I don't care. Right. I, I don't care if I 
don't have a house and I don't have a family yeah. and I don't have this. All is, of these is, things, this yeah, makes yeah. me happy. Right. <laughs> in 97, she stopped saying that. I don't know that she's ever stopped thinking that. Uh, sure. Um, well, I, I, I definitely remember that conversation I had with my mom when I dropped out to pursue my band to be like, uh, but I did make the promise to her. I was like, I will graduate before I'm 30. Like whatever, you know, I, I, by that time I had done two years of college, but it was just like, I made that promise because it's like my mom was an English teacher and okay, all these yeah. things, but it's like, yeah, your parents will never like let that let go, go in their heads. Yeah, because, because it's so ingrained. Of course, of you know, course. It's just it's that you go to college, which is so ironic because now, yeah, it's more useless than ever. Totally, it is wild. Like if you, I mean, what they're wanting for you is, is stability, and you, you know, not have to worry about you, and then you know, you not have to worry about yourself, and they're thinking you're going to get a job and right. you're going to be able to support yourself, and you're not. Yeah, all you're getting is one hundred seventy thousand dollars of debt. Exactly. Hey, you, you want some crippling debt when you finish these five years yeah. of school? How about this? And guess what? You won't be able to get a job. Right. Because you should have got a job a long, a long time, time ago. ago. Yeah. Like yeah. The idea, the idea that 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 you can't start doing what or you can't start figuring out what you want to quote unquote do like in high school. Cause it's like, you know, the, so many, you see so many high school kids that are, you know, it's just like idle time where it's yeah. just like, they're just, you know, they feel like they're in prison. They can't do anything, but it's just like th- this whole idea of like, no, like figure out what you are what into, you're into and do it. Right. And start doing it. No matter how miserable of a fa- failure you are. Right. It does not matter. It doesn't matter. That's it. And that's all there is. It's, it's amazing. It seems like, you know, generations below me. I don't know what's going on. I'm sure it has something to do with Facebook and right. uh, and Instagram. <laughs> Promise. Sure. Uh, but in generations younger than me, the the frequency of people just not knowing what they're into. Yeah. Simply, what are you into? Right. Uh, like, well, what would you want to do? Right. I don't know. Yeah. What do you, no, I mean, like, if I could snap my fingers and yeah, here's make, your dream. Here's, here you're right. doing something, right. and this is what you're doing. What is it? I don't know. Yeah blows my mind totally it, it, i do feel i i completely agree with you and i think there's i think it's symptomatic of everybody being into everything like everybody I, yeah everybody's just like oh i'm into everything because yeah, if you're into everything you're into nothing right and you're safe like you're that they're yeah. they're yeah and it's just yeah there's definitely uh, there's something to be said about that it's like sure. oh what 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 authors are you into what type of books do you like to read i'm yeah. into everything right. so you like nothing right what films are you into i, I like everything yeah, so yeah. nothing you're completely totally. completely into saying just completely yeah, every, everything that comes by is just, it's, it's all right. It's, it's good. It's, it's fine. Right. Yeah, it's, it's fine. Miley Cyrus? Yeah. Yep. Great. Sure. Cool. Nick Cave? Yeah, right. same thing. Right. Cool. <laughs> Great. Yeah, you're talking about two polar opposites here. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Spring Breakers? I like it for both reasons. Right. I see both sides to yeah, that I, story. I, I, I completely agree. <laughs> that would be great. That would be great. I wish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I would agree with that. You know, on on the notion that um, you know, obviously your your mom continued to badger you as you you know as the band started to progress. When you know, because you're always, I mean, I know you mentioned the one moment where it's like, okay, the reunion show, like that, yeah. that felt like it was real. Does it feel like there are certain you know touchstones where it's just like, okay, this thing is when like holy shit, like when Sing the Sorrow came out, like this was just it was blowing my mind. Like, are there certain touchstones where it's like it made it feel like kind of that next level of real? Where it's like, yeah, oh wow, where like. I'm getting paid money to do this. Like I'm fooling somebody about this. Yeah. Like, yeah, totally. Yeah. I mean, it was so slow for us that the, the touchstones are, are, are vague. Of course. And more blanketed. One of which was the shut your mouth tour. Uh huh. 
because up until Shut Your Mouth, I mean, tours were so brutal. Like, right, no right. one would come to the shows. <laughs> right, right. I mean, Southern California people cared. Of course. But right. that was it. Right. I mean, Southern California, Northern California, where we were from, of course, you know, uh, the Gilman Street was was our home. Of course. And, um, but beyond that, I mean, we get past, we get past Reno, it's just no one's there. No yeah. one's there. You know, there's, the venue doesn't exist. The... <laughs> There are no flyers for the show. The flyer for the show is this cocktail napkin pinned on the door of the bar, right. like that night. And um, it was—I mean, just you know, a few years of really brutal touring, and then you know we didn't go from that to the Staples Center. Of course, right? We ever gone to the Staples Centers? But on Shut Your Mouth, right? When we were touring and we were playing those same venues and you know sleeping in the same parks, there were like. 200 kids at every show or right. 250 kids at every show and everyone was singing along and I remember being oh my god this is it we right did, we did it yeah we're touring there's people here every night right. and all the people here every night are, are invested into it, in it. Are, yeah, yeah. are into it they're right. here to see right. us right and um that was huge yeah that, that was such a huge turning point because that's what we were working for right that's well, it and a lot that was like, success and it still is right that's it yeah that's all there is well I think because I, I, I you hit it on a very important point in the fact that it's like because when, you know, even though you had that moment when you, you did a reunion show where it's like, okay, let's do this for real. Each thing that you did was just like the next logical extension where it's like, okay, here's a demo. Like maybe put on an EP or seven inch. Yeah. Let's maybe put on a full length. Like it was never this like grand, it wasn't the Staples Center. It wasn't like, no. that is our ultimate goal. No. Like there was, you didn't put, you know, the cart in front of the horse that, that, that cliched saying, but it's like, and I, I think that is when people get lost where it's like when yeah. you do kind of put the i mean business is business and that's whatever but it's like when they you shot do, the horse yeah right <laughs> yeah so when the you horse do is dead totally it's just a cart it's <laughs> and there's no one to take you anywhere there's just a cart but i can see where it's just like those and it's a bentley right <laughs> i can see where those like those like you said those touchstones are it blends into all what it, you know it, it blends into one another because it's been such a all right well i guess we'll just do this now yeah i guess we'll do this now it was such a such a slow growth I, there are things that you know, didn't change anything, but right. were like really memorable and impactful and, and surreal. I mean, there are moments I remember when we first charted, I was actually recording. Uh -huh. Um, I was down on, uh, on vine recording son of Sam. Okay. Which yeah, is yeah. a project I did with some of the Samhain guys. Right. And that week art of drowning had come out sure. and it was in the top 200 on billboard. It was like 132. We tried it. Like we had sold right. like 10 or 12. Yeah. And at that time, first week. Yeah, yeah. getting on the 200, it wasn't like just putting out a record. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It, was, it was crazy. Now with the same numbers, 10 or 12 thousands, I think you get a number one record. Right. <laughs> yeah. You'd be top 10. You'd be yeah, top yeah. 10. We were like 132 or something or 126. Right. Um, but it was, it was really striking that that happened. And then, um, you know, hearing our song on the radio for the first time, really, truly the first time I heard my song on the radio, it was off answer that, stay fashionable. Uh -huh. Because Aaron Axelson just decided to play it in San Francisco when I'm a teenager. Right, you're like, Boom. And I'm, truly, I'm in my car <laughs> right. with my friend Tiger Lily, my 1982 Honda, yeah. with a toothpick jammed in the radio depression button to sure. keep it on FM because right. the tape player's broken right. and only the speaker on my side of the car works. Right. And we're listening to Live 105, mm -hmm. and we're always upset because they're not playing anything good. Right, right. Uh, you know, every <laughs> yeah, yeah. once in a while, you're going to hear Pulp. Sure, right? sure. You're like, that's you know, amazing. That like, was worth the hour of Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're yeah. going to hear Pulp and Depeche Mode here and there, but <laughs> right. I mean, at that time, you're, I mean, I don't need to name any names, but it was, uh, it was the mid-90s. Right, you know, it, it wasn't was, good. It, you know right, what right. was happening. 
certainly Trent wasn't on the radio all the time. <laughs> right. But you would get some of that. But we're listening, and since something comes on, you can barely hear what it is. Right. And embarrassingly enough, I'm like, what is this? Right. This sounds like it's kind of good. <laughs> and you're like, and I turn, holy shit. And I turn it up, and I go, oh, my God, Lily. She's like, oh, my God. <laughs> And you're like, wow. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah, and Aaron Aaron had played it. After that, we didn't get played again for another yeah, yeah. 10 years or right. something like that. Um, but the first time, first time we got played, I remember hearing, you know, Girls Not Grey on K-Rock. Right. And uh, it's it's really, it was really moving. I still feel the same way um, when I hear 17 Crimes, my manager texts me. Right. And says, it's on, it's on. So I like, I try to get in my car. Right, right. You're like, <laughs> or, where is it? You yeah, know, yeah. you know, I, I chance to switch off Calvin Harris really quick. Right, right, right. Um, well, it's, inc- it, it's obviously, it's a testament to, you know, the, the level of excitement that you have. Cause I, referencing something you said earlier that I think is interesting where it's just like, you know, you said that you, you know, you're, you're in it or you're not like, you're not going to do it if you can't feel like you're going to do a good job at it or whatever. Right. Um, cause you know, you, anybody that's obviously paid attention to what you've done, it's like, you know, I personally view you, you're, you're definitely a Renaissance man. Where ah, it's just like, it's just, you. It, you, I mean, because obviously it's like, you know, you're, you're, you're a published author. Um, you know, you've heard, you've appeared on Broadway and it's like all these things like obviously are a part of the, you know, our artistic oeuvre that is known as you. But, um, the fact that you can, you can still, I guess, be enthusiastic about it all because there are so many, there for you, there's been so many opportunities to be like, Hey, like, stop being enthusiastic. Right. Like, you got beat up on this record. You, right. Like, people didn't like this thing. Right. Like, people throw stones at you. Yeah. And there are so many times where you could just been like, yeah, I'm fucking out. I'm done. Yeah. But you you don't allow that. No. <laughs> no. I, I mean, we've gone through a lot of, you know, uh, physical danger. Yeah. Be they be they verbal stones or literal bottles. Right, right. Heads, of course. You know, what with, um, you know, conveying messages and aesthetics that don't appeal to a lot of people. Right. Get, on, um, get off the stage, faggot. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, endless, endless. <laughs> um, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's to me yeah. at all because I just, I do this because I love it and it's who I am and I can't do anything else. Right. And did you have to, was that kind of, did you have to train yourself to feel that way? Like to, to get that sort of thick skin or did it just become, I, there was a point. I mean, obviously, as a teenager, you're worried about what people think about you. Totally, totally. It's it's inevitable. But fortunately, I think I was always more worried about the opinions of people who I respected. Okay. And that's still the case. Like, if if Nick Cave or Robert Smith or Martin Gore, you know, or or Lou Kohler or, you know, um, Scott Kelly says to me... Your shit fucking sucks. Yeah, yeah. It's going to hurt my feelings. Of course, right. It's not going to make me stop. Right, right, right. I don't expect any of those people to like what I do. <laughs> I really don't. Right, 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 right. Um, and in that respect, it's not going to make me stop doing it. Of course. But that's going to have more impact on me. Sure. Than, That'll cut a little deeper than, than random in- internet person. Right, right. Of course. Right. You know, and that's kind of always how it's been. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, I appreciate the opinions of people that, that I respect, um, right. but it's still not going to change. One of my dearest friends, like, I gave her the manuscript of, of my book, and she's like, this is terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> this is, this, this alienates everybody. Right. No one wants this. Mm-hmm. And I said, uh... Okay, I'm still writing it. Right. 
And you're like, like, that's too bad. Good, good to know. That's too bad. (laughs) I will, I will take that into consideration. Yeah, I mean, just, just well read, right? Wildly intelligent woman, right? Who I totally respect. Hated it, but I'm still writing my book. Right, right. You're still doing what I do. Right, right, right. You know, and I, you know, I believe that there are some people out there who relate to what I do. Sure. Yeah, I guess I, I, I can see where it's just like. You have to concentrate on the people that you obviously bring in closer from, like, you know, a, a, a lack of a better term, like a fan perspective. And then obviously the people who, you know, you trust around you that, like, can give you that honest criticism. Right, right. Yeah, like, you focus on that rather than, like, obviously on right. all the other stuff that can easily just bog you down right. and bring you to a level where you can't be creative anymore. Because right. you're just so focused on, like, oh, I'm too afraid of, you know. Yeah, you can't focus on that. No, you no. You just have to make what's true. And because it's like, I... continue I, to do it. Right, because I've, it's like, I mean, for you, it's like, you know, you've, since, the, the, as we were talking about earlier, the band has made so, uh, you know, AFI has made so many stylistic changes. Which was the most, like, abrasive to the fans, where it's like, kids really were like, and when I say kids, like, maybe you're hardcore fans or whatever. It's such a... Anybody. Yeah. Audience. Right, right. Where it's like... Listeners. You, right, where you, you felt like it was this uh, this thing where it's like, Oh wow! Like not even like a misstep, but it was just like wow. This is like the most. This is the most drastic, strongest reaction, polarizing right, reaction. Right, 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 right. Um, <clears throat> black sales, black sales people flipped. That was like the that was the line where it's like okay, this is where you're we in lost this people. Yep, got it. You're in or you're out. That right. was the most drastic one when we went from shut your mouth to black sales, which I still don't understand to this day. Yeah, but I don't know. They people were just like, I don't know what the fuck. Is. Right, right, this right. is fucking garbage. It was one of those things that if it was getting reviewed, it was getting zeros or tens, like type of, you know that. Type of Which thing. is, I mean, that, like that is very telling. Like I feel that it's like when you're obviously most people are making art, and especially like outsider art, for invoking that reaction. Yeah. You want to get a ten or a zero. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I've I've been lucky enough to. Uh, I mean, I think my voice is very polarizing. I've always thought that. And, oh, totally. And, and, yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, it's you're either in or you're out of yeah, 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 yeah. You, it's just the sound of my voice either puts people off or pulls them in. Right. Um, you know, I'm, I've been lucky enough that it that, that it pulls more more people in than um, I'd expected. Right, 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 right. <laughs> um, and so uh, all of those moments are are you know they're they're just a part of it, and we're so used to them now. Right. I and mean, as you pointed out, as far as AFI goes, every record we make is so different sounding. Right. Than the last, and now if if you're listening to the band with any clarity of who we are or of our history, it's expected. And, and, you know, luckily we reached a point, I think around black sales where people come to expect that. Sure. And for us to repeat ourselves would actually be more egregious, um, than, than sure. not doing so than moving forward. Like we always do. I, I feel that people would be terribly disappointed if we put out a record that sounded just like the last record that they heard. Right. Or, or if you went <laughs> back, like, you know, you hearken back, you're like, all right, we're going to get a, here's a rebirth record. Oh yeah. You know, it's I, like, yeah, yeah here's, here's our black sales. Here's record. our, yeah. Yeah. It would just be, <laughs> it would, it would, de- it would definitely, it, it would be inauthentic. It would just be so forced and inauthentic. Sure. Cause I mean, that was so, so much a product of, then and the environment we were yeah. then in the environment something that happened to us recently which i i found uh it's something that you i know encounter a lot when you are in quote unquote public but it's like you know when we're at the earth crisis show yeah, yeah. and we were we were hanging out afterwards and uh you know that kid came up to you and was like you know we like you and i were deeply engrossed in conversation yeah like when i say deeply like we were just having conversation. we conversations yeah. like we are now right and someone obviously came up that was very interested in taking a picture with you and yeah. just basically he felt the ownership to yeah you know, take you away. And yeah. that was, I mean, obviously it didn't bother me, right. it, it, you know, bothered you for yeah. obvious reasons. Um, and it's like the, and then he followed it up, you know, he, in an awkward conversation towards you 
And when I say not with you, towards you. Towards me, right. <laughs> the, the idea that he was just like, oh, yeah, like, it's, it's weird that, you know, like, it, it's cool you're here. And, like, the idea that it's, like, people, and, I mean, obviously, it's, like, you, you're a student of this because, obviously, you love pop culture, that people put people up on either on a pedestal, like, put, themsel- put them in a corner, like, mm-hmm. all these places that, you know, uh, people have certain expectations. And it's, yeah. like, Davey Havoc had an Earth Crisis show. And I'm, like, why, why would he not be? Where else would I be? Right. <laughs> Right. Like, and yeah. I just, is it one of those things where it's like, you've obviously had to, yeah, I wouldn't say battle it where it's like, you're, you're having to, uh, destroy certain expectations. Like, is it just one of those things where you're just like, I, whatever. I just let it go. Right. I, I, because there's so many misconceptions uh, of, of who I am <laughs> Yeah, I, and truly Ray, there's nowhere I can be where I'm expected to be apparently. I, I don't know. It, Interesting. It's, so it's like it's like across the board. It's you're, across the board. You're at a Hollywood party. People are like, what, yeah. what's he doing here? Of course, of course. That's true. Like, I, oh, I can't believe I'm seeing you here. I can't believe I can't believe I'm seeing you at Morrissey. I can't believe I'm seeing you at Earth Crisis. I can't believe I'm seeing you at Nicki Minaj. I can't I can't believe I'm seeing you at your dear friend's show. Right. I can't believe I'm seeing you at this vegan restaurant. I can't believe I'm seeing you at this part. Like I, it's like okay, the list goes on. Yeah. Where am I supposed to be? Now, mind you, right. just to clarify. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is not in uh, to receive that outside of California. Yeah. I totally understand. Of course. If you can't believe you're seeing me somewhere because you think if you care and right. you know who I am, you think I'm in California. Of course. Right, right, right. That's fair. Completely fair. That's fair. What are you doing in Florida? What are you yeah. doing in Florida? Here we go. Making drugs. Right, right. <laughs> as most as most people do in Florida. Yes. Right, right, right. <laughs> um, murdering and yeah. doing amphetamines. Exactly, exactly. Um, <clears throat> I'm at Art Basel. You know, it's um, it's so... I mean, it's not even about being places, but, uh, you know, there, there's just so many, so many just misperceptions and projections yeah it really is more that's what true, it is. That's true. it's 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 not simply a, a a misperception it's a projection and um and people will project whatever it is they they want me to be mm-hmm. upon me right um which is fine right uh to some extent yeah, yeah you obviously can't it, control it, it it's <sighs> you know it it really rarely affects me terribly adversely i mean sometimes people are rude is when you experience which, right. which um which which upsets me like manners i i just are very important to me i i just feel that you should treat with someone with respect that you want to be treated with and sure um you know that was rude to you sure like we were talking into just immediately you right know, without without excuse <laughs> yeah. me i'm sorry to <laughs> right, right yo yo just like walk, walk in between us and put a camera in my face <laughs> right. it's simply rude sure um you know not to be uh not to be confused with the rest of the people right you know that evening who were very polite of course um yeah yeah i mean it's just it's it uh, obviously because you experience it so much that it's just uh it would take i mean putting myself in your shoes like it would just take that adjustment of like when to you know like bite your tongue and just be like you know i'd say 98 percent of the time you probably bite your tongue and just like okay like this is well you can have your experience and we're cool right but then there's that two percent of the time where it's just like yeah come on dude yeah if people if if people push it happened to me actually at Nicki minaj it was wild my brother actually had a step step in and all none of the people around me um knew uh what was going on other than the exchange that they saw all the women around me of course Right, right um when we finally checked the totally rude kid who kept coming over and just just berating just pun- me, yeah, yeah. just just punishing me and just um, just being very very rude, um, yeah. they all jumped in yeah. on my favorite and they're like, "Leave him the fuck alone! Right? Get out of here!" <laughs> and then they're like, like yeah! "They're like, what do you do?" Right? I'm like, "I work at Chick Fil A." <laughs> You're like, I- "Are you gay? Because if you are, I can't." 
Yeah, I can't. I can't really associate. I can't serve you chicken. <laughs> That's incredible. Um, yeah. So you just yeah. You have so there are so there are a few extreme occasions where I, and and my my brother told the kid that he needed to leave eventually, right, but he, um, he was really bad and he was drunk, of course. Of course. Um, but generally, generally not. I mean, the picture thing is very interesting to me. I have a hard time with it. I I I because I don't come from that. Of course. And um, it's hard for me to believe that it's. First of all, I don't I don't understand t- wanting to take a picture with, with someone that you haven't experienced anything with, and I and mm-hmm. that you don't know on a personal level. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I understand it's like, well, we have experienced something together, except you just weren't there. Right. <laughs> I've experienced so much with you, so can I have your picture? So I get that exactly. It's a one sided ex- thing. Right? I don't I don't I don't empathize with that specifically because, you know. Um, if I have an experience with someone that I'm really, really inspired by and we've had a moment, like, and a picture happened, that would be cool. Right, right, right. Um, but I just truly feel that more often than not, the general sense that I get is, can I have a picture of you to put on my Instagram? Of course. Or to put to on my pro- Facebook, To prove to that, show I, people right. that I was standing next to you and that I, I just... And they're not going to care. Right. That we're, we're friends. <laughs> you know, yeah, like, I don't know what it's like that. And like, God, Ray, you know, the Nine Inch Nails show last night, just like it was at Depeche Mode. Yeah. There's, you know, the woman in front of me was like, she looked like she was 70 fucking years old. Really? And I can't see Trent's face because sure. the whole fucking time she's got a camera up. Yeah. So I have to move around. I want to smack the phone out of her hand. Right. And I just don't understand documentation over experience. Right. I don't get it. And you are one of the lucky few to see Trent Reznor with right. 300 people in the Troubadour and you're not watching him. And now I'm not watching him because you're blocking his You're taking it away from with, me. With, your, right, with right. my screen, with the screen that you have. And um, just so you could show people that you were here. And sure. I had an experience at the Test Mode show, the same thing with the Troubadour, where I finally... Um, my friend behind me couldn't see, so she tapped the girl, and she's just like, can you put down your fucking phone? And the woman became a bitch. Of course. And I, you know, I said, look, lady, your fucking friends already saw the 50 photos you took. Right. You're your here. Facebook friends know you're here already. Right. Put down the flat screen. Right. We can't see. Right. Unacceptable. It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, totally, totally. I, Unacceptable. I, I, yeah, Unacceptable. Yeah, yeah. So the photo thing, the photo thing is is weird for me. I will take them. Right. You know. I yeah, do yeah, yeah. It. You're, um, you're you're not. Yeah, you you haven't. I don't understand it, but I'll do it. Right. And actually, t- to be honest, Ray, like in modern times, mm-hmm. most cases now that uh, I'm. S- most cases now, though, we're, we're, we're dealing with the word Instagram, which is modern. Right. I, I feel that most of most of the time when people approach me about a picture, they actually speak to me for a second beforehand and and say something very nice. Yeah. It's uh, not just like, look at your picture with me. Yeah, right. which, which is usually, which is, you know, half the time it is that. It's like, right. hey, can I take a picture with you? It's like, okay. Yeah, yeah. Right. My name's Davey. Right. <laughs> Truly, that's always what happens. Like, yeah, like yeah, yeah. oh, okay. I know. Right. And then they won't even introduce themselves. Right. Like, and right. you're like, I'm trying to, I'm starting this thing. I'm trying. I know. I'm trying. But, but truly like the, even of late, the amount of interactions, picture and picture not included. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, people are just, just really kind yeah. and, and really say just really touching things to me. It happened last night. Yeah. Not the old woman with the screen or my face, but right, I right. mean, there was, you know, a really, a really nice kid who talked to me and now in retrospect, he didn't even ask to take a picture. Yeah. We talked for like. 10 minutes probably. Yeah, which is great. Yeah, because it's like that, I mean, that that obviously is a byproduct of what you're creating. Um, and that in and of itself um, isn't why you're creating, but it's great that these people have moving experiences because hopefully that will in turn help them to create or find their place in the world. Yeah, yeah. 
and uh, rather mean, than taking <clears throat> just simply taking a picture. And is what you were saying, you know, harkening back to high school. Yeah, yeah, that's. I mean, that's what's important is that creation. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and figuring out who you are and what you love and doing something with it. Right. And at this point in life, and with the media the way it is, a positive thing from the media, the a positive result of of all the access that youth has mm-hmm. to the media, and um, you know how wildly talented they are at manipulating it. Right. Um, if you feel that, you know, the, you know, the classic go to college and get whatever job that you don't want to do isn't for you and you feel that there's something specifically artistic that you want to do or even something, um, you know, creative within the, within the computer sciences. Sure. Um, you don't have to go to school. Not at all. I mean, these, these young people are fucking smart, man. Totally. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's like they've got, they've got no choice but to be extremely accelerated because of, the world that they're growing up in. Right. They're, they're raised with it and they know how to use it. Right. Yeah. And, and there's forums where you can, you can circumvent the traditional route of, of creation and right. you know, quote unquote success, whether that be on, you know, the, the level that your parents think it is or the level internally that you, you know, that you, that you want. want to right. achieve for, right. for self-fulfillment. You know, it, if you just dedicate yourself to a thing, exactly. And work at it. Right. And do it and do it honestly. I feel eventually you're going to get that'll there. get you. Yeah. It'll get you somewhere, whether somewhere. it's 10 years, whether it's in 20 right. years, it will happen. Whether it will lead you to another thing. Totally. The, I, that's what I found. Out. I mean, no, for sure. Well, with, it, with most people that, that do things, no matter what it is, right. w- whether you know, you're Trent Reznor, right. Or you're my friend CJ who pitches for the angels. Yeah. It's like fucking CJ has spent his whole life standing on a pitcher's mound. Right. Since he was a little kid. Totally. I don't know anything about sports. I do now. Right, right. Um, a little bit. Right, not right. much. But I learned that in sports, you're rewarded for being the best. Yeah. And you're rewarded for dedicating your whole life. Exactly. To throwing the To ball, this action. Right, right, you right. You know, or, or, you know, running a track or swimming a lap or right. doing 50 flips off a 60-foot high dive that's terrifying that I barely <laughs> jump off of. Right, right. Um, well, you have, to, you, have, you have to look at it, from, I mean, looking at it from the perspective of, like, what you've done. Like, obviously, you know, theater has always been a a prevailing interest for what, what makes you you. And the fact that you've obviously been able to include theatrics in what AFI does from the moment that you guys obviously started to be able to become, you know, a sort of larger than life band where it's like, Hey, like, you know, we're, we're creating an experience for you. This mm-hmm. isn't just, you know, the showcase theater and Corona anymore. Um, even though you're trying to have that feeling still, sure. but it's, so it's like, yeah, because, you know, maybe because theater wasn't, you know, you weren't able to not break into it. Cause obviously you did that with American idiot and yeah. stuff like that. Um, but it led you to all these other things. Yeah, and you yeah. were able to incorporate that in these other things. And it's not even really a conscious thing. I mean, what we do theatrically on stage is really an extension of conveying the emotion of, of you know, whatever record we're create, you know, sure. we created at the, at the time. And that's, um, yeah, I mean, that's something that was probably ingrained in me through through musical theater, through the grander show and, right. and you know, the continuity and the interaction. Um, and, I mean, I, you know, I don't, the difference between, difference between, performing in black audio and mm-hmm. AFI as opposed to acting is I'm not acting in right, black right. audio <laughs> and true, AFI. Yeah. It's just me. Right. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm just emoting. Um, but in acting, you're, you're tuning into something that's inside yourself and you're, and you're thinking, how do I relate to this character? What right. in my life experiences, how, what can I pull from? What right? can I pull from to relate to what this character is experiencing? 
Mm-hmm. You know, what? how can I empathize with this character? And I think, you know, you bring a lot of yourself to whatever you create in that respect. It's like writing. It's like with pop kids. Right. Um, you know, I'm not Score Massey. Right. Um, but I've experienced him. Um, and I've experienced some of the things he has experienced, sure. you know, and we certainly don't see eye to eye. Right. Um, but you infuse those characters in the book with your, you know, with your experience, um, you know, whether or not you share the same perspective. Sure, sure. There's, there's elements of you within, obviously, that completely. I mean, within anything that I create, of course. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. You can't really detach the creator from the creation ever. Totally, totally. It'd be, it'd be a, yeah, it'd be a disembodied it'd thing. It'd be impossible yeah. unless <laughs> you're you're working with machines, I suppose. <laughs> right. You know, in sort of to wrap things up, what are the things that you have not been able to accomplish yet that you obviously still have your sights set on? Because it's like you know the the idea that it's like you know obviously you know the new AFI records coming out and there's there's a lot of excitement based around that and obviously that will take up two years of your life yeah. if not more. Yeah. Um, what do you have your sights set on that you're just like I would like to have another book i would like uh, yeah. to do more more voiceover work like you know all work. of that i'm 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 working on the second book sure um which is a follow-up mm-hmm. to pop kids in a way um and uh right now i'm about 130 pages into the first um draft first draft of it. okay so i was very much hoping to finish the first draft before i get in the bus mm-hmm. for the afi tour it's looking unlikely yeah um i really really need to finish the second book. Um, I would very much like to be the voice of a cartoon. Sure. If we're going to get specific. Yep. I'd like to be uh, in Adventure Time. Okay. Uh, Bob's <laughs> yeah. Burgers. Sure. Uh, I'd like to work with Jonan Vasquez. Okay. Roman Dirge. Um, I'd like to uh, be in a Pixar film. Okay. Sure, <laughs> or, sure. Or of a course, Disney right. film. Right, right. Uh, that would be great to be an animated character in any one of those films. I've actually just finished doing the voice for a really, really cool stop animation okay vignette okay short film that's, that's awesome extremely dark yeah, yeah, yeah uh called decophilia okay i believe it's called it's uh latin for uh the love of crying oh, okay love of tears love of tears okay um i may have i may have gotten that wrong yeah yeah well, you'll have to look that, so, look yeah, that yeah. up yeah yeah um but i i would love to do some voiceover for a cartoon sure um i love i really really would love to get back to broadway Mm-hmm. Do more musical theater, right? I, you know, that, it's once like, you had that taste, it was like, oh my uh, God. it's all you know. Because you did, you did two weeks on that show. I or did was two it? weeks of the show. Yeah, yeah, it was the best experience of my life. You know, Billy gave me the best gift anybody could ever give me. Yeah, it was unreal. It was truly, truly unreal. Right, and it was a dream experience. It was exactly as I had dreamt it would be, which is unlike anything ever is. Nothing is ever like you dream. It of would course, be. right, 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 right. But it was, it was this moment of, of perfection um in that respect and it was so fun and i'd love to get back and i you know i want to play frankenfurter sure that's my dream i want to play frankenfurter mm-hmm. i, I want to play the dentist in in um in little shop sure um but i want to play the lead in mormon you know i want to i want to be yeah well you I, had you it's like you have these you, you there's these things that you can look at that be like, I would like to be involved in something of this caliber. Like yeah. with, I want to work with these people who are extremely creative. Like, and that, I mean, that, that's exciting. And I think that's kind of what, like, that's what f- can fuel people. Yeah. Try to achieve whatever it is that they're looking to achieve. Yeah. It's, I mean, and like that idea, because it's like, you know, you, you could have obviously, you know, when, when AFI ceased to exist, you know, well, I mean, when you guys broke up, whatever, after crash love, um, you could have break up after crash I mean, you didn't break. I, the, 
you took we broke up after um, right right <laughs> um, Eddie picnics all wet right right right. When you guys took a break from AFI, where obviously you weren't, that wasn't the focal point. It was Black Audio. You could have easily just been like, "We're not like you know, we're not going to be doing this anymore." You could have you could have gone into different fields. You could have done a lot of a lot of other things, but you were like, "No, I'm dedicated because there's so many exciting things that I can still do within this." Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it's all so much, so many things I, it, I like to do. I'd love to, I'd love to act um, on screen right. again. You know, because you did you did that with film. Wes Anderson, right? Right. You did that film. Was it was it Knife Party? What was it called? Knife Fight. Knife Fight. Oh, I love Knife Party. Right. I'm a big Knife Party. <laughs> yes, fan. yes. Knife Party. EDM Death, Mach- Death Machine. Yeah, that yeah. is a good time. That is a good time. Power Glove. Right. <laughs> I'm in. Um, but Knife. I did Knife Fight uh, with Rob Lowe and Jamie Chung and Richard Schiff and right. Um, Bill Gutentag was a great director. I did a I did a dramatic reading with him for a, um, a film that he was considering getting made um, mm-hmm. based on this really harrowing novel that okay. takes place in Alaska. It's really brutal. It sounds great. I would, I would love to work with, with Bill again. Yeah. Um, you know, I really, I really would love to work with, with Mark again. Um, sure. You know, having shot videos with him, I would love to act with him directing me and, um, and my friend, Matt, Matthew Stosky, um, mm-hmm. I would really love to do a feature with him. He's, uh, he directed, uh, 17 crimes video. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, w- I would, I would love to do screen. I haven't done television. That would be fun if it were, if it were something yeah, fun. Yeah, if the opportunity was afforded yeah, to. Yeah, if, yeah. If it were something fun. I don't, um, I don't watch TV. Sure. So I'm missing out on everything that you're all talking about. Right. <laughs> you're like, oops. All the, all the uh, Breaking Bads and... Right, right. Mad Men and, and everything else. And yeah, 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 yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I suppose I should. I understand it's the, the... As I understand it, it's the new film. Right. That as... as there's such, as cinema such a, has become more more diluted and it has to focus it has to focus on the sure bets yeah like exactly there's actual like actual good mm-hmm. um good television i mean i did see the candelabra movie that oh yeah beyond the candelabra oh, yeah yeah yeah. Was, ridiculous right it was so fantastic sure so and so rob, rob Lowe in it unbelievable it was just stellar they were all they were all so good they right. were all so good and, well, uh, you, I mean, because you look at something like that, there's no way that that could have ever made it into the theaters just because that's such... Right, now. Now. Yeah, yeah, because it's such... I mean, that's such a risky proposition. In the 70s and the 80s? Oh, dude. Absolutely. Knock it out of the park. Yeah, yeah, Sits yeah. right next to Taxi Driver. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> totally, you know, totally. Absolutely. Yeah, 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 I mean, all those films. Even in the 90s, it probably would have made it, but yeah, yeah, not yeah. anymore, and it's so good. Yeah, Wait, totally. Who was it? It was... Um, Steven Soderbergh. Soderbergh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I, he's... Great. Totally, totally. He's a good time. Yeah. Well, it's just, I mean, it's, it's cool that, you know, like I said, the the thing that, uh, you know, c- keeps me involved and keeps me excited is to know that other people are excited. And it's yeah. like, it's just, you, you just feed off one another. Yeah. And you just know, like, dude, they're out there doing it. It's awesome. Like, it's so great. And then it's like, you, you just, you, you feel, because, you know, like, when you do come from some independent DIY scene where it's like, you are literally trying to figure it out yourself. Like, you know, it's not like you had this inherent... Uh, like uh, this inherent knowledge of writing a book you had the tools but you're like okay like i'm just i'm gonna do it I'm just gonna do it yeah and <laughs> it, i did it and you didn't ask for permission i don't you know didn't yeah. have to right <laughs> didn't have to and you just do, yeah just the idea of doing it and then learning from that and being able to eventually do it better yeah eventually i'm gonna write a good book right right <laughs> maybe your friend will like that one maybe, maybe she will <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. Probably, Probably not. not. I, I think my genre is a bit off for her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I really appreciate you hanging out in the in the treehouse. It's a beautiful place. Thank you. And thank you very thank much. Thank you for thank you for coming to meet me. It was a pleasure talking to you. As always, Ray. Oh, you're so sweet. There you go. There's Davey Havoc. 
great conversation, right? It just kind of took all these twists and turns I wasn't originally anticipating, but I just uh, I love that he did that with me, and it was uh, very special for me to kind of sit down and just get to know him better as a person. Because you know, like I've mentioned in previous shows, as much fun it is as it is for me to bring this show to you, it's also really gratifying to me selfishly just to get to know these people better who I respect their art in some fashion. So there you are, propertyzac.com. 100wordspodcast.com visit the site I post other stuff during the week in between shows and you will hopefully find it somewhat interesting just usually about music or movies or other sort of pop culture goodness that I find on the interwebs the editor for this episode is Tom Richfield and uh, yeah communicate with us like I said drop us a line 100wordspodcast at gmail.com dive into the archives all the shows are free you can't say no to free and um, yeah until next week be safe everybody be safe everybody